Hello and welcome to the latest Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by Cody Roberts. This podcast is brought to you by Hawking Dynamics, the world leader in innovative force plate technology. Hawking Dynamics takes a user-centric approach featuring a fully customizable cloud-based software that allows users to easily digest and analyze complex force plate data. The technology is constantly evolving, much like an app update for your iPhone. They communicate with users on a daily basis to make their system better. In addition to all of that, they also offer some of the most competitive prices for bilateral force plates on the market, and they're the only force plate company offering a completely wireless system. So, if you want to find out more, check out their easy intro to force plate section at www.hawkingdynamics.com forward slash blog. So, without further ado, it's time to welcome Cody onto the show. So, Cody Roberts, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast, mate. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here. Thanks so much, Matt. Appreciate you. It's great to, great to get you on, mate. So, could you give us a quick update as to who you are and what you've been up to until now? Yeah, definitely. Uh, good to catch up with you here. Um, so, I'm currently at the University of Iowa. I'm in my fifth year here with the Olympic Stream Conditioning staff. Uh, the teams I work directly with are softball, rowing, and track and field. Uh, kind of been in the, the NCAA Division One level uh, since 2008, uh, and so kind of just been doing that as a as a strength conditioning coach, and uh, you know always spending time as a you know spending time as administrator. Uh, you know we wear a lot of ho- uh, hats as a coach, uh, so time as an administrator, you know time within nutrition space, uh, the sports science space, more and more here, especially that's what brought me to the University of Iowa and. Uh, yeah, I've been working with with Science for Sport as a as a research for, reviewer for the technology and monitoring chapter the last couple of years. Uh, so that's been a great experience and a, and a great group to be a part of. Mate, absolutely brilliant. So it's that uh, tech that we're going to dive into today. And specifically, we want to look at some heart rate variability and maybe touch on some DC potential as well. So can you give us a, a quick rundown of what heart rate variability is and what does the science say about it? Yeah, so HRV or, or heart rate variability, uh, you know, I think it's a calculation that's that stayed kind of uh, consistent within the the training realm, and it's even even shown its uh, val- validity and its and its place within the the medical realm. But uh, specifically, it's it's analyzing the differences or or variance between heartbeats. So specifically, looking at the R and R intervals of the the QRS complex. You know, so these are these are electrical impulses that are regulated by the autonomic nervous system. And so uh, what this where this number comes from is it's actually uh, through a number of ways, uh, this analysis that happens based on maybe either time or frequency or, or even a nonlinear analysis. Uh, but ultimately, what what HRV represents is an individual's autonomic input or, or their autonomic activity. And so when you think of the autonomic nervous system, uh, it has numerous roles related to health, related to function, and even survival. And so we have the, the sympathetic branch, which is our kind of our fight or, or fright system that focuses specifically on short-term survival. And then we have the parasympathetic system that's our, our rest, digest, repair, uh, more focused and targeted to long-term relaxation this like contentment and calmness. And so what HRV is providing is, is really an objective clue, uh, to, to represent the coherence of these, these systems, basically this, this autonomic nervous system. 
And so it's a, it can represent a measure of stress and really kind of shows some potential red flags, uh, for, for health concerns. Like I said, from the medical space, uh, really based on just the organ function, hormone secretion, you know, primarily body, primary, primary bodily functions. Uh, and, and that's just because of the, the global, uh, and systemic responsibilities that the autonomic nervous system has. And so, HR, HRV relates to numerous factors. Uh, these can be environmental factors uh, like, you know, work or school, you know, fatigue, uh, psychosocial situations, uh, lifestyle, um, beyond just training. This can be nutrition, recovery, uh, even kind of the, the neuropsycho factors like mood or anxiety, uh, behaviors, and, and really kind of give us some insight into even personalities potentially. And lastly, the, the physiological and pathological factors that we talked about. So things like the inflammation, immune system, uh, breathing, respiration, body temp, those sorts of things uh, are obviously things that we are uh, really kind of toying with within, within the training process. And so HRV kind of gives us some insight uh, into how the body's responding to, to training and, and the environment. So... When we, when we take that and, uh, just very quickly, it'd be nice to touch on the validity and reliability, but we take that number, let's say it's, it's valid and reliable. Um, how are we going to then implement that into practice? Because it sounds as if it's, uh, basically a number that you get out for total stress on your body. Um, so yeah, how are you then going to apply that to athletic performance? For sure. Yeah. So in the context of kind of the, the training performance space, HRV provides, provides insight. You know, it, it kind of is that look under the hood. And so it helps to, to create questions and, and really kind of just guide conversations with, with the athletes that you work with. Uh, and, and so what I think it does is it really helps us to better understand an athlete's response, as I said, to kind of the training and environment. So as, as coaches, we are, you know, writing this training prescription, sets, reps, volumes, that sort of thing. Uh, and, and we're looking and, and we should be looking at kind of the athlete's response. And we know that it's not predictive. And, and I think, you know, coaches, especially listening in, you know, we, we, if we appreciate this, this complexity and, and this uncertainty of the training input and athlete output that, that we cannot predict that. Uh, and, it, and if we respect that, I think we're more apt to monitor and maybe implement something like HRV. Where we are, where we are seeking feedback and, and looking to really kind of be flexible in our pro approach and not be too, uh, too married to, to the program or the periodization, you know. So, so obtaining a measure like HRV helps to, to really better manage, uh, the changes and the, the uncertainty, uh, of this like kind of adaptive process that we're trying to create. And so given it, the HRV kind of can give us a little bit of confidence in our training plan and, and really our load prescription, because as we get those results, hopefully they are, they are aligned with what we expect. And if they are not aligned with when we, we, what we expect, then that's when we can kind of adjust and be flexible. Um, but, but as I said, you know, you know, if we're seeing and, and adapting to these changes based on the HRV results, I think we're, potentially prescribing a, a more effective training for, for our athletes. This podcast is also brought to you by Flex. Flex is the latest product to enter the velocity-based training market developed by the team at Gymware. Flex is the only laser-based training system available 
And it's this unique technology that makes Flex the most accurate and reliable barbell tracking product in the sub 500 US dollar category. It's wireless, portable, and it's super user friendly. Find out why VBT is such a powerful training method and what separates Flex from the competition at flexstronger.com. I think that's super interesting. I'm, uh, I'm very interested to get your insights into how you're going to practically apply that in the, in a few minutes' time. But uh, first, you want to touch on uh, direct current as well, because these two kind of things go hand in hand. But uh, what specifically is the difference there between heart rate variability and direct current? Yeah, so a little bit of background with with the Omega Wave system. Uh, the Omega Wave system has the opportunity to to simultaneously touch, test HRV and and the direct current or DC potential that you talked about, and 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 DC potential uh, showcases the central nervous system function. So we talked about the HRV kind of being the autonomic nervous system insight. Uh, the direct current would be more so the central nervous system, and so this is looking kind of specifically at. Uh, the brain's activity and, and the interaction with the body. And obviously when we, when we think about that brain body interaction, we're thinking about motor control, um, as well as even like we talked about with the autonomic nervous system, hormone function, immune response. Uh, you know, these are all things that are important to training and performance. And so, uh, these are things that we are, we are, as I said, influencing and then hopefully managing or, or keeping some sort of, um, you know, measure of it. And, and so this measure specifically can be, you know, very helpful as we aim to measure what matters. So in the context of speed and coordination, uh, definitely with, with skill based sports, uh, being more, uh, precise and, and even with developmental athletes in, in motor learning, uh, DC potential indicates kind of this arousal level and the ability for the, the brain to stabilize its activity. Uh, because in the context of the omega wave measure, it's happening, um, in a, in a supine position, uh, rested state, eyes closed, dark room. So as you mentioned about kind of the reliability and validity of the test, that's where, you know, I think my, my direct experience has been with omega wave and, and I have no relationship with them other than, you know, I trust their, their measure because of, of the context at which it's taken. Uh, and then as well as the, the multiple opportunities you get from HRV to be able to see the time domain, the frequency domain, as well as that nonlinear analysis I mentioned. Uh, other, other systems that measure HRV don't necessarily offer that. Uh, the data isn't necessarily as clean because it's not taken from a heart rate strap. Uh, so kind of specifically if a, if a HRV is taken from a wristwatch or even like a ring, those those aren't necessarily as as valid and reliable, but I would say that the technology is improving. Um, I think it's very similar to how uh, we've seen VBT continue to adapt and improve, and and there are even some smartphone apps that are able to uh, you know simply connect with the heart rate strap or or even uh, use the light uh, with within like your fingerprint um, to to measure HRV, and and so that technology is improving. Uh, but, but I think if you're going to take the time to, to really use this measure, uh, the more valid and reliable it can be, or the more, more valid and reliable you, you should aim it to be. And in terms of like the, the scientific literature, which backs up the use of, of these things, 
Um, yeah, it, it, when I when I first saw Amiga Wave, it seemed like something that crazy Russians were doing, um, <laughs> and I was kind of like, right, what's going on here? Because I've never seen right. this before. I've never read the literature. So, can you can you give us a like a rundown of of the the scientific literature behind it? Yeah, so so these measures together really, you know, give us this internal objective measure so that that we can, as I said, really just leads to these conversations with how an athlete is feeling. Um, so it's it's this objective that we can pair with maybe their subjective report. And so we're we're aiming to make uh, training more productive and, and helping, um, you know, us as coaches make better decisions as to whether or not we should train hard or or maybe, you know, uh, have more of a recovery type day. So this kind of helps to identify limiters of, of health and performance. And, and most importantly, where I think it has a great opportunity is it can guide our education interventions related to, you know, the, the recovery methods that, that we rely so heavily on related to, you know, sleep and nutrition, uh, and stress management. And, and so I think this gives us that, uh, that objective internal measure as we're looking at the, you know, the functional systems of the body. And so these measures carry, carry more power when they're, when they're paired with that athlete's subjective report of, of their readiness and their recovery, uh, and their kind of motivation to train, if you will. And so what I think is, was really interesting when, when we look at this data is that it, uh, it measures, it, it can be, these measures can be reflective of, of personality and even, even mood state, you know, where we're high, highlighting things like this, uh, you know, maybe exhaustion or, or even, uh, when I've had athletes measure on competition day, you, you notice and see this, uh, increased level of either kind of maybe anxiety or excitement within the, the brain's activity and the ability for it to stabilize. Uh, and so I think that just really kind of, um, proves even more how, how real uh, these numbers are uh, and reflective of uh, of the athletes like true physical th- that psycho uh, psychophysiological state. And, and so the potential to be helpful and powerful, you know, regarding we, we talked touched on uh, the repeatability, reliability and validity, uh, you know, those are important factors. So the context of, of the measure matters uh, as well as the practicality of it, I think. Uh, and so a system, you know, any system that you implement, um, you know, it, it should not be forced on the athlete. And so that's where I think, uh, especially in my experience, this really almost has to be initiated by the athlete. And this is a very, you know, high level uh, type of thing and, and it can't be forced. And so this type of strategy uh, really needs to be athlete driven. Uh, and I think on our end, it requires patience and care uh, with, with how to implement it and, and how to establish it within, within the system, within the framework. And, and it's not for everyone. Uh, you know, I think it takes time, it takes commitment and consistency. Uh, and as always, you know, as coaches, it takes emotional intelligence in, in navigating it. And so my biggest suggestion would be, uh, you know, not to take it personal, um, as, as kids maybe don't want to do this or, or, you know, young adult athletes don't want to do this or, or maybe uh, are slow to pick it up, or even the other coaches that you work with are slow to pick it up. I think, uh, you know, us as individuals need to reflect on why or why not we want to pursue it. Um, definitely learn about the measures, uh, the different options in technology, the different uh, analysis pieces, 
uh, and, and then do what, do what's right for you and, and the people that you work with and serve. And so I think, you know, we, we all, uh, you know, aspire to be great in some fashion, you know, so, uh, Churchill said the the price of greatness is responsibility. And so this HRV and DC potential, uh, pairing really allow us to objectively measure, as I said, that, that psychophysiological function, which I think is, is so very important. Uh, especially this day and age, uh, respecting and appreciating, uh, kind of that mental state of, uh, of the athletes we work with. And in terms of like when you, when you've got your number, right? So we've gone through all of the, the scientific stuff and, and what the, the advantages and disadvantages might be. But in terms of when you get your number, um, can you give us maybe a couple of different scenarios when you might adjust uh, different parts of the, the athlete's uh, training or recovery process based on the data that you get? For sure. So uh, you have your plan on, on what you want to do. If if DC potential is is low and we're seeing that kind of exhaustive state and, and you're looking to maybe do some sort of uh, speed or explosive type day or, or some sort of high intensive activity, uh, that's definitely a day you need to pump the brakes and, and either delay it um, uh, delay it a day or, or two uh, until the brain is online to receive that training. Uh, and so that's where maybe, it, and it's not saying, oh, you don't train. Maybe you could do some light aerobic work, uh, but that would definitely be another day. You could do some uh, a yoga type session, a foam rolling session, a, a cold tub. Uh, but, but I think, as I said, it, it starts questions to Hey, how did you sleep last night? And, and what's going on? Because most of the time there's other things, uh, deeper, um, that are, that are causing the, the DC potential to, to read like that. Okay. HRV, same thing. If we, uh, you know, we want variability, um, we want it to increase to a level. Uh, I think especially in the endurance space, HRV, uh, ha- has been used quite a bit and, and we do want to see that improvement as HRV goes up. But if things, if things start to stagnate, that's when we maybe need to bring on intensity. Um, so for instance, if HRV is, is too high and, and too, uh, variant, then bringing in some sort of high intensity, high intensity activity like sprinting, uh, explosive work, you know, Olympic lifts, heavy lifting, that sort of thing could be helpful to, maybe uh, bring that in and stimulate, as I said, that that sympathetic nervous system a little bit. And so boost that drive uh, so that you're giving an athlete a stimulus that they need and a stimulus that they can respond to. And so I think just appreciating that that kind of high and low uh, stimulus as you look to balance those and not forcing forcing high intensive activity when the body is showing that it's not ready to receive that, that sort of stimulus. And then uh, as I said, with the confidence piece. So if we see DC potentials in an optimal range, HRVs, you know, at a, at a, at a consistent level, because we do want variability. Uh, but if we see these, these drastic changes or an athlete is maybe over sympathetic, that could indicate overtraining. Um, you know, and that's where it's, it, it, you just can't look at one specific number. I think it's, it's a comparison of the number. Uh, as well as maybe how the body is feeling because the, the, the piece that we don't get from HRV and DC potential is, is really kind of like physical soreness, um, you know, muscle readiness. Uh, so appreciating those things as well can help kind of make those decisions. 
I think it's really interesting to get that kind of uh, integrated approach as well, um, and to see how that you how you use then different variables to bring the whole uh, the whole puzzle together. Um, and I know we touched uh, before we started, we touched on uh, the fact that you uh, you've used this a lot in the past, and you've maybe uh, changed some of your uh, practices uh, for now. So, can you take us through why you've uh, why you've changed bits and pieces in the way that you use heart rate variability and the DC potential? Like I said, I think I think they're they're great tools, um, but but I think they you know they can't be forced, and it's a time and place type situation uh, where you know the training time is is part of your your athlete's daily schedule as it is. Um, but in order to implement a lot of these systems, the practicality of it is is difficult because you're you're asking the athlete to spend. With the Omega Wave, it's it's pretty quick. It's 10 minutes probably from start to finish by the time you get all set up uh, with straps and electrodes and and get the measurement and and kind of put it away. Um, other systems, uh, looking at research, the way that they run it is, oh, you need like a five-minute um, stabilization period plus another maybe five to ten-minute uh, period for testing and maybe uh, – another five to 10 minute period for comparison. So as we look at it in research and then we look at it in the, in the practical setting, it, it just can be difficult. It can be intrusive a little bit to kind of that morning routine. And so that's where I say, you know, it, it, you got to find that, that special athlete that is, that has the time that don't, doesn't, isn't rushed because if an athlete is stressed to, to get the test in or, or, you know, there's, there's context, right? If, if they have, uh, roommates or, you know, a, an early morning job, it, it's really difficult for them to wake up in the morning and get a, a really true and relaxed measurement. And so, uh, you know, that's where if you're going to ask an athlete to, to take that kind of time, you want to make sure you're, you're using that to make adjustments. And so, uh, you know, I think it's a great tool. Um, you know, the currently the athletes I work with, it's, it's not something that, uh, we're able to do really, uh, because of all the other stressful things going on with, uh, with things related to COVID and, and testing and, and things like that, uh, you know, it's just it's just overly stressful. So I think immediately within the programming and training that's going on, it's just kind of appreciating all of those things and and kind of just uh, you know being simple, being effective, and getting back to the basics with just you know talking with athletes and and uh, you know building the relationship with them there so that they know when they can they can check in with you and say you know hey today's not the day I got it you know or Hey, let's go. I feel good. Let's let's get after it. Mate, absolutely fantastic advice. So before we uh, we keep you for too long, I want to ask you the most difficult question that we can find. And that's the, what's the one thing that you see or do differently, which the rest of the world can learn from. Yeah. So uh, a, a, you know, a deep question like this, Matt, requires a, a probably a deeper answer. So this is something that's taken me 35 years: uh, a pandemic uh, and the the birth of my son, who's now just over 10 months old, but I've really grown in my faith and, and relationship with God in the last year and, and an effort to be kind of the, the best husband, father, and, and coach possible to those I lead and, and serve. Uh, and, and so this is kind of an encouragement for all, but but specifically with within Galatians uh, chapter 5, the, there, there's a list of nine specific behaviors, and they're known as the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
And so those are, you know, those are nine that I have, uh, you know, continually reminded myself daily about and, and something that I've strived to, to make them a, a foundation of my character uh, and reminding me to be a, a man that glorifies God and, and really lives accordingly. Mate, that's a, an absolutely fantastic answer. So Cody, massive thanks for your time today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank, no, thank you, Matt. Appreciate you. Thank you very much, buddy. Cheers. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks to Cody for all of his hard work on today's podcast. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure you do at home too. So before you leave, I want to point you in the direction of our free to download performance digest copy. That is 19 of the latest sports science articles reviewed by our crack team of experts to save you loads of time. Each expert will go through the most interesting studies they could find in the last month. They will summarize the key points and they'll give you loads of great practical application. So that's going to save you tons of time trawling through all of the different search engines to keep up to date with the latest literature. And if you found today's podcast interesting, be sure also to check out the Science to Sport Coach Academy. The Coach Academy has loads of different mini courses, tons of different topics. Cody's done one on Omega Wave and how you can use it to inform your practice. So if you've enjoyed today's podcast, I'm sure you'll enjoy that one too. All you have to do is search for the Science to Sport Coach Academy. And lastly, if you haven't already hit the subscribe button, be sure to do that so we can keep bringing the best possible guest. And of course, be sure to share the podcast if you think any of your friends or colleagues might enjoy it. So that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me. I'm Matt Solomon for Science of Sport, and I'll speak to you next week.